and have this terminal theater visit out, and I go to a lot of open AA meetings and a lot of my recovery comes from AA speakers who have uh, shared their recovery over the years with me. And uh, I definitely had that, you know, it's good, it's good enough for the alcoholic, it's sure enough, good enough for me. So, um, so we give tokens in my home group, and I encourage newcomers because uh, a lot of us come in in our days, you know, and we don't really realize we're in until several months have passed. You know, so I tell my sponsors, you know, pick a date because, you know, in AA, they celebrate every day, every week, every month, every year with recovery, and it's always a victory, and it's always, you know, bless you like, in the demonstration of God in your lives if you're sober one more day, one more year. And uh, I don't appreciate the fact that now and on, it's often like, I you have not gotten it yet. Like, you're still here. Uh, and, you know, I found this interesting when I said, you know, I, I wasn't raised Christian, but I would never go to a practicing Catholic. You know, you still do that. Oh, dear. So, uh, I celebrated my anniversary when I first came in. I came in in October of um, 1990, 91. But I celebrated my anniversary on January 21st of 1992, and this past January was one of my years. Talk a little bit about. 
was with her teammates who was trying to nail drugs for her. Um, one of my classic memories, because it just summarizes so much of my upbringing, was I remember being 10 years old and my mom being high with my brothers, and um, the drink came to me. And I passed it to the next person without taking any. And everyone laughed, and my mom's response was, Isn't she adorable? It's a facial girl, get out of it, you know, she'll roll over it, progress it. So, you know, it was um, available. I, I do a lot, I used to do a lot of outreach in schools um, with Elkhoff's Anonymous and Elmon. What we would do, Carol's, you know, I teach you like five minutes trying to tell them, you know, how we were affected by alcoholism and what our lives are like now. And, you know, I used to listen to my friends at AA and think, you know, I couldn't understand why they couldn't find alcohol before the age of 11 or 15. The first time I was drunk, I was six. So it just it never fixed me. It never made me taller, smarter, more beautiful, more at peace. And that's what I hear from my friends who are not autonomous, is that it filled some empty part of their soul in a way that nothing else had. And frankly, if it had ever done that for me, I would have pursued it to the extremes that my friends and family did. Uh, I didn't like the loss of control. Uh, I know the person who went to college and probably stopped drinking. <laughs> and I used to drink tea when I walked up But I'll tell you what did make me feel powerful. I had a mom who alternated between telling and saying that if she didn't have a child, she depended on her, that she would not really impose the life that she truly wanted. And at that time, I was going on that for at home. And she would go between that and, honey, if it wasn't for you, I would have committed suicide years ago. And... I have really struggled in Al-Anon to understand what my step one is. Uh, it has confused me over the years why we are also powerless over alcohol. Um, I don't find that some of the things that other people in my community substitute with are useful to me. I'm, I don't believe I'm powerless over anything. Uh, we're all powerless with whether that does end up brings me to Al-Anon. I think I'm powerless over something very unique. And years ago, a friend of mine described it, and what she said is that an alcoholic's attention really only spends some time, it spends about eight inches for themselves. But then every once in a while, they look up, and she goes, and what they do is like laser beams into my soul. And I'm like, yeah. You know, and I am somebody who I think I formed that habit at a very young age, um, being there for my mom, giving her um, the pep talk that I'm sure she needed to come back from the edge. So, I have a very vivid memory of being about seven years old, and my mom flipped out, you know, and I was having the remorse of an alcoholic parent, and we'd be better off without her, and she should just die. And this family friend uh, decided that I didn't need to be there for that. And she took me on a long walk. And I spent that entire walk trying to convince this woman that she needed to take me home. Because I was so afraid that if I wasn't there to say, Mom, I love you. And it's not always like this. And I would miss you if you were gone. And it's going to be okay. 
but I didn't know what I'd find. And of course, as it turned out, by the time we got home, she moved through it. I didn't really learn anything that day. You know, I thought we'd just, um, you know, I, I immediately, it was just pure luck. You know, I still felt very responsible for making sure things were okay. Years later, when I got my sponsor in my life, she had me do um, some step one homework where she had me make a sort of stream of consciousness list of um, like that time writing everything I could write down in like 20 minutes that I had done to try to control alcoholism. And then right next to that, she said, but did anything work? And the last thing she asked me is, but how did it feel? And I'm listed in that I can usually anticipate the answer of anything I'm asked to do. And I thought, well, I know what this is going to be. This is going to be that long, long list of everything I did to try to um, stop alcoholism or control it. And how does it work? Well, instead, what I have to see for myself is far more powerful than the things that I thought had worked. I thought that my ability to enter into a room and gauge the emotional landscape of what kind of day is this. Why do you be sitting down with my mom and visit my girlfriends? Or do I need to take my backpack to my room and do the dishes and not make eye contact and just hope that it doesn't implode? You know, I thought that my grades, um, my ability to have no needs to make no demands, um, that had kept things from my family from just um, exploding. And the way it made me feel is um, I was tired. I can't use this program I'm really tired. I had a nice compliment last night that somebody told me that I didn't look old enough or tired enough to be a member of that So, you know, what happened for me, and um, I'm so glad that uh, my first year in Alamon was as painful as it was, because I probably wouldn't have stuck around if it wasn't. What happened is my brother would be and he got uh, admitted into a treatment program at our local hospital. And I don't know if this treatment program still comes this way, but at the time, they refused to accept him unless I wanted to agree to be in a full family program. They say, you know, addicts, alcoholics like him will not get well if the family doesn't change. And I was actually away to college, but luckily my mom and I were so enmeshed that I got a full, you know, verbatim phone call about every family session. She photocopied everything about the basement. And uh, very early in his treatment, they confronted her on her drinking and the way we were raised. And she was offended because she raised three children on her own and I was kept a roof over her head. Oh, is it her roof? I'm born and raised in Santa Fe and I went from to 12 different schools between uh, first grade and graduation. Um, but, uh, so, you know, but like I said, you know, this summer I got a little show 21 years clean and sober. For me, what that did is, at that point, 17 years of backlog, pain, anger, fear, uh, just that the lid blew off. And it was more than I could contain, it was more than I knew how to handle. And luckily, there was an element meeting uh, in my community, it was only one a week. And I went to that meeting initially just because 
specific requirements of me um, before she would agree to work with me. And she spelled it out and she said, you will go to a minimum of two hour long meetings a week. You will meet with me weekly. You will go through the steps in order. You will have to do specific assignments for different steps. You will have a service commitment. You will call me and you will be writing all of this. And you will do prayer and meditation. And uh, I feel like I do all of that just so that I can um, sometimes hear the truth and recognize the truth. So one of the things I had my brother said years ago, and he was trying to the time, but when it's the truth today, I can hear it no matter how the message is delivered. And what he said is, it is so nice to just be able to live my life and not have to constantly justify the fact who I am. And the minute he said it, I realized that he was asking me, for what I can do for him. So I never complained to my brother about his drinking. And to be fair, other family members had, so it wasn't like they went unstead. You know, they took care of that for me. But there is uh, a gentleman in Alcohol's Anonymous who is uh, passed away now, Keith Lewis, who came to San Fe years ago, and then he really spoke to me. And one of the things he talked about talked about was having a job description for every area of your life. And so that means not just as an employee, but as a daughter, and as a member of Elmanon, and as a sponsor, and as a and as a friend, and as a sister. And, and he had great specific as he was the eldest son, and he felt like there was a, a job description that came with being the eldest son, and not the baby sister. And when I looked at this, my job description as a baby sister, well, you know, that's to look up to my brothers. That's to be um, supportive and friendly. And, you know, they're my heroes, and they always have been. Um, but to reflect that. And my brother lived in New Orleans for a couple of years, which was really wonderful because I was having better at being in touch with him when he was long distance than I was when he lived in the same town. And I would call him at least once a month and say, you know, how are you doing? And I was thinking about you. I love you. And what was amazing is most of our conversations, frankly, were pretty superficial. They were about books, movies, how um, we were both working in the service industry at the time, and how hard it was to make a living, things like that. We never once went out the drop level. And some of those conversations, one was about our mother's alcoholism. And he shared that, uh, that for him, it had always been easy. That he couldn't, that no matter how spun out and angry and scared our mother was, that if she lost it, all he ever had to do was get her high. And it just went fine. Now, he's nine years older than me, so that was manageable for him as a teenage boy. That was easy. That was something he felt he had some control over. And, uh, this program has taught me to not always uh, correct people or challenge them, and to people don't have to see it the way I do. So the whole time from the South, I was praying, you know, please God help me say, what would you have me say? And what I said to him was, I'm so glad that that's what it was for you. I have other memories. And he said, honey, I know you do. And it was enough. And I think it's very powerful in a family affected by alcoholism to not have to get everybody on board for our version of what it was like. Uh, another time we talked about my dad, who uh, wasn't around much when I grew up. But my brother's one was a very angry stepfather. And 
because he had no interest in sobriety. Uh, he used to was one of those um, drinkers who used to say things like, you know, I don't believe you couldn't. Um, and uh, you know, I uh, I struggled with. I was reminded last night of a friend of mine in Alabama who no longer lives in New Mexico, but she uh, had her baby uh, who died in childbirth. And three weeks after that, she was in our home group. And she shared about what had happened. And she said, I'm here to tell you that that is not okay. And that God did not do that to me. And if you don't understand that, come see me after the meeting. And I remember seeing that in meeting with a woman. Like, that is a level of faith and acceptance that I'm not even sure I want. But it was impressive to me. I didn't know how you could get to there. And what I truly believe about my brother is that um, it was not an unfulfilled life. I don't believe that there, he had any less God present for him than I do in my life. I had dreams for my brother things that I wanted for him, that I don't believe he even said that he wanted, but in my fantasy of him growing old, you know, when I see him over the family. And I miss him. Uh, I miss him a lot. April, I'm tired. It's his birthday. So his birthday is always awkward for so what I got to see is that there was a lot of love that surrounded me and my family when he died. I was moving out of the at the time, and when I got the call from my mother, um, I had to drive an hour to get to where she was. And by the time I got to my brother's house, um, my mother's sponsor, my sponsor, and her husband were already there. And they carried us. And so there should be pain in the woodwork, you know, because what it really experiences that my mother and I were suffering two very different losses. That um, I don't know what it's like to lose your first more baby boy. And luckily there were people in the program who had been through that. And they surrounded her. And there were people who had lost a brother, which I find to be a very unique loss. And I needed to talk to those people. And one of the things what I had to do is I had to um, step away from my mom at times because I could not leave my loss in a room where she was suffering. I wanted to immediately take her home. And so I would have to tell her, you know, I love you and I'm praying for you. I need to leave now because I need to go cry. And uh, it was not graceful. Alcoholic families um, did everything. And we handle these things to the best of our ability. My other brother and I got into a physical fight less than a week after Ken died when the police came. And that was an unfortunate setback in our relationship because I had actually gotten to the point where I'm comfortable with my poor life, my brother, and I left it. And 
shooting, and then they had this daughter who was really struggling. And of course, they were comparing. And um, the advice that my brother gave this family is he said, You've got to stop comparing this girl to her brother. She is a unique expression of the divine. And the minute he said that, I realized how often I failed to see my brother as a unique expression of the divine. Perfect just as he is. Now, there is some behavior that I choose not to be around, but that's not me. Uh, I never announce my boundaries to people. I find that it's um, much more effective to act on them. So, um, if you're screaming, I don't want to be screaming at. I'm very good now at um, getting off the phone. Uh, actually, it started me the last time I had a hang up on somebody, and you didn't think about it. But I shut off the phone closed. I just want to look at it, well, that's different. Because <laughs> that was a great one for saying, you know, I don't want to have this conversation. I don't like where it's going and waiting for the other person to agree. And I heard a lot of things that's hard to hear by staying on the phone. I'm not really good at first line of an email. You know, I believe it. I don't need to read the whole thing. I don't need to save it to read to my sponsor. I generally know where it's going. Um, I do this with my brother. I stay in a hotel and I have a rent car. Um, I haven't always been able to afford that, but uh, I think most of us are in a response situation now where I've had to encourage her to go. You know, it's not, it's not an answer for every night, but sometimes you just gotta get a hotel. You know, because I used to stand my ground in that relationship where I hit my foot on that bottom pick and tell with you I pay half the bills, I'll be damned if I'm going to leave. And what I realized is sometimes somebody just had to leave. And I'll leave the room with that person. It doesn't really work, I'll leave the house. I had the phone in my hand, I'm prepared to call my phone on a family member. Um, and those are not things that I came to easily. But what I realized is that the children in my life, I believe, have a divine right to safety and respect. Even though I will intercede on their behalf. And I've been very slow to realize that I have that same right. Uh, after a long time, I was carrying around a photograph of myself as a small child because I think I'm a badass. And I don't need protection. The one advantage of being truly afraid of only one person is I'm actually not afraid of anybody else. So I'm a bouncer from my local home. We meet in the local day club. Sometimes people stumble in a little bit wet or mentally ill, and I will escort those people out. But I'm trying to learn um, to protect that child. You know, that um, it didn't have anyone going out for her. And I know I'm running out of time, but I've got to tell you something really um, quick here. Some people in this room know that I made a decision a few years ago that one of my heart's desires is to be a mother. And uh, I prayed for it a long time, but I know that what I do is I'm single. And I decided to pursue it even as a single woman. And uh, the year ago, I got pregnant, and I had a miscarriage. And so I'm thinking that too, because I'm currently not trying, and what not trying has done is it's created a space where, you know, as blessed as I am today, and I truly have an amazing life, that does not prevent me from feeling so pretty. And I have been really struggling with being uh, I just don't understand why this hasn't happened for me, why I don't get this, why other people appear to. And, uh, a couple of 